Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. So praise God. We're really, um, we're, I'm excited about this morning. I'm excited about this morning. So I've got an old shoe here. Call yourself a shoe. State, look at the state of that. It's got soul. Nice one, Ellie. Ah. Mm. Hello. Now that's a shoe. Or is it? A couple of shoes. A couple of old shoes. Well, a new one and a really old one. So this morning, I'd, uh, these are my props. Will they stay there? Yeah. This morning, um, I want to I share something just over a week's experiences from our hearts, because we've been about a bit this week. And uh, this, t- this sermon or this message is called, Who's Filling Your Shoes? I think I've got a wee slide there somewhere. And, uh, but anyway, look at these shoes this morning. They have form. Okay. They have function. They might be attractive. They might not be so attractive. But beauty's in the eye of the one who looks upon it. Amen. Thank God for that. Thank God appearances can be deceptive. Amen. And these shoes were designed with performance in mind. Designed to fulfill a potential that was in the, the mind of the designer of these shoes. They have a lifespan. They could last from uh, weeks to decades. Um, they can be kept in a stuffy old cupboard. Or they can be on your feet and hardly ever be off your feet. But a shoe is just a shoe until someone steps into it. Amen? Amen. And some of you are probably thinking, ah, Pastor David went to see that movie, Air. And um, yeah, we did. We uh, went, to see a, went to see a film this week. And... Uh, It was about the story of how Michael Jordan came to be wearing Nike Air trainers on his feet because he didn't want to wear Nikes. He wanted to wear Adidas. And uh, the next in line was Converse, believe it or not. And Nike, Nike were way. In fact, he he didn't want anything to do with Nike. It was his mom, Dolores, that turned the whole situation around. And it was a really moving story in a way. And if you do go and watch it, there, there is a couple of minutes of really bad language. So I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> I don't know. What do you do in the movies when that happens? You, know? <laughs> you have your coping mechanism. But the story, the story really got through and about this, uh, this aspiration that the company had to get a very young and pretty much Maybe just kind of coming on the scene, Michael Jordan, and, 
how much money was involved at the time to make that happen. And um, everyone else was doing the corporate thing, but Nike being a grassroots company from Oregon in the backwoods, they wanted to get to the soul of, uh, of the whole thing. And they had to convince Michael Jordan to wear their shoes. And um, the guy who's, uh, Matt Damon, who was playing the guy that went and says, I'm, I'm not going through his agent, I'm going straight to his mum. Going to, straight to his mum. <laughs> he went there and this is where this line came up and he says, a, a shoe is just a shoe until someone steps into it. But his mum said something that was really powerful. His mum says, yeah, a shoe is just a shoe until my son steps into it. And so this Nike Air Jordan has been in existence for nearly 40 years. The revenues from the shoe um, go to um, charities and kids that don't have anything. And um, as soon as Michael Jordan allowed Nike to put his name on that shoe, and not only his name, but his likeness. Has anyone seen a Nike Air Jordan shoe? Do you see the, do you see the, the image? As soon as he allowed them to do that, those shoes outperformed Nike's best expectations by millions, 100 million plus. And uh, I was impressed. Parallels begin to sound off my heart. And I'm like, okay, this film spoke to me. Maybe it will speak to somebody else. And so that's why I've got two shoes <laughs> on the pulpit this morning, which is a little unorthodox. But there you go. And I thought, yeah, a life is just a life until someone steps into it. And life is precious. We're not, we're not saying life's not precious. Life is precious. But a life is just a life until somebody steps into it. A car is just a car. And it's the driver of that car that will determine whether it lives up to its full potential, whether it's a Mini or a Ferrari. Amen. Many people can walk in and out of our lives, but there are very few people, maybe even just one, people that come into your life that leave a lasting impression on your life. For some of us, it might have been a parent, but they brought us into this world. I'm talking about people that step into your life, that come into your life. And um, I want to say today, that Jesus Christ wants to step into your life. He wants to step into your life today. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And in one translation it says, Jesus says, I'll come in and I'll dine with that person. Dining and eating were a big deal back in those in biblical times. That is where intimate fellowship happened around food. That's where happiness and bliss took place around food. So Jesus is saying, I'll come in and I'll dine with you. It spoke to the people of that time because, and even to pe people this day, where do you see people enjoying themselves the most? At a restaurant, at the coffee shop, talking over a, a wee table, having a coffee. 
And the door, what's, where's the door? The door is the, is the heart of man. Now, in this in context, I will explain a bit later, it was, he's writing to the church in, in Laodicea, but the door is the closed heart of man, the heart that's closed. And what's his knock and what's his voice? And so I believe that there's someone in here today, maybe more than one, and you can hear his voice in your conscience today. You can hear something resonating inside of you. And I believe that there are people here today that are beginning to sway towards Jesus. They're, yeah. And you're getting ready to admit Jesus over the threshold of your heart. And he's going to come into your life. Amen? And that's happening in this place today. And Christians, the believers that are here today, we also need to hearken to this because this was speaking to the church in Laodicea. And the scholars here will know that that was the lukewarm church that had closed the doors of the church to the Spirit of God. So a life is just a life until we understand what we're called, why we're called that. Why do we exist? What is my purpose in life? And who am I? What is my true identity? And um, I want to say this morning, don't confuse your identity with, 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 with what you do. Identity is something that once you have it and you're secure in it, it never changes. But what you do can change through seasons of life. So you can change and do different things and be a certain way, but your identity is something that if you're in Christ becomes secure and unchanging to have your identity in Christ. So there's a little bit of talking about identity this morning. And I want to say that the, the system of this world, this world system, has executed the perfect crime on humanity. And you might say, well, what, what is that crime? That crime is identity theft. This world has pulled off the most clever, subtle, cunning crime on humanity. The marketeers, the profiteers, the people who desire to exalt themselves as gods, even you might say, and rulers over people and have manipulated people and influenced their lives and stolen the identity of billions of people don't know who they are and why they were created and who they belong to, really. And identity is complex, especially in recent years. We'll know that identity is complex. It's got even more complex. God's not the author of confusion or complexity. The reason why I, I love Christianity and I know where I stand with God is because Christianity is pure and simple. Yeah. It's pure and simple. I know if I'm on the right side or I know if I'm on the wrong side. I don't need anyone to tell me that. I know, I know that. 
I know that. I know by the, by the compass that's in my life, whether I'm on God's side. And some people will never rise above the perception of who they are and why they're there. And this is why the world comes into it and alters your perception. And the solution to this complex issue, I believe, is to find out and discover who and what God is for a start. And how, how does, once you find out who God is and what he does, how does that change your perception? Amen. Amen. So, um, is there anyone here this morning who's, you've ever felt a restlessness in your soul, in your heart? Amen. This thing that nags at you and you can't shake it off. And I believe that that happens because God has created us for himself created each of us to fellowship with him and to come back to him through the cross, through Jesus. Come, come back to me. And Jesus, I'm, I'm here. I'm just at the door and I'm knocking. Can you hear me knocking? And that restlessness won't go away. Not so much until we find ourselves, in case there are any people here this morning who are trying to find themselves trying to find out who I am. I'll know it all fall into place when I discover who, who I am, when I find myself. But until you find your reason in him and your rest in him, that, that restlessness won't go away. We find everything in him and in Christ. And, he, and a lot of us have, have tasted God's goodness and maybe we've walked away from that for a while. We thought, I'll come back to it later. I've got some living to do. And I believe that our origins, as far as I'm concerned from God's word, is that we were created in his image and likeness. Jesus can step into our lives and make us all that he created us to be. He can step into our lives. It doesn't matter if you look like, like this sorry, sad Nike trainer or this quite, quite nice one, this little hiking shoe. <laughs> he can make you all that you want to be, an amazing mom, a nurturing mom, um, a providing and a protective father, a loving and praying grandparent, a devoted friend, all of these things and more. But there's more than that even. See, we were created to love and be loved by God and to introduce others to the love of God, the truth of God. So he can make you all of those things, but he'll turn you on to the love of God. And I was just saying about how good it was to see the church so, so busy last week. Well, friends, uh, this came to my mind this week. I'd read it before. Um, friends of God tell their friends of God. Amen. Friends of God tell their friends about God. And um, you see, 
We think that you just love people and people will be set free. I know the power of love and love is incredible. And you can love on somebody that's hurting and dying and sighing and crying and that love will console them and give them something. But the Bible doesn't say that love will set us free. The Bible says that truth will set us free. That's what it says. So love really won't set people free, but the act of love paved the way for us to be free. Love was in the mix the whole time. We do have to love people, just, just putting that out there. We do have to love one another. Um, I'm, I'm probably quite unlovable at times. I'm sure we all say that we've got an unlovable side to us. But in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, it says that it's the truth that sets people free. And we've got to speak the truth in love to people. And that's what's really the most important thing. For people to be saved and set free from sin, which is a very real thing, to be set free from the troubles that are coming down on their lives. You see, God loved us so much his love calls us out of sin. His love, his love wants to see us free from sin. If you love, I will not let Pauline walk into a room that's on fire. I don't want to see her harmed. don't want to see her destroyed. Love will call people out of something that has the potential to harm and destroy them. Love We'll call it out. Some people will say, you're judging me. You're condemning me. But we have to speak the truth in love. And if we have someone in our shoes that Jesus has stepped into our lives, we communicate people the love of Christ, which is different to the love that we, could, we can have. Amen? We've got, to, we've got to do that. That's the gospel message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 18, there's a verse there, but it starts off where it says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee. Get your Nikes on and run as fast as you can. Head for the hills. Flee from sexual immorality. Free, flee from lusts. By one, in one place it says, this was a favorite with our youth pastors back in the day, flee from youthful lusts. And sometimes we find we don't have the power to flee. But when we, can, when we can distance ourselves, when we can get away from that, when we can, if we can flee from that, we can give our minds time to renew. We can give our minds time to, to renew. And we can renew our mind concerning the things that are tempting us and drawing us into sin. We need to, we need to get out of that bubble to begin to renew our mind. All right? That's why um, hurt people hurt people. You, we, you, we, need to, we need to bring people out into healing. And amen. So there's things that are, that are harmful to our souls. And sometimes we don't think they're harmful. The Bible actually confirms it. It says sin is pleasurable for a season for a wee while, it's actually, it's pretty, it's a good gig. If everything's 
this is great. For a season, it is. But God's Word's going to lead us to see ourselves differently, and uh, we'll begin to look to line up with, God's, with what God says about us. We begin to understand our new identity in Christ. Some people are going to get a new identity. Maybe today, maybe next week, maybe next month. We'll become more than a conqueror over sickness, addiction, strife, lack, and everything that plagues this world that's godless. We become more than a conqueror because we are conquerors in, through, by, in Christ. Amen. We've got the ability with his life inside of us, we begin to understand what it really means to live. Has anyone here ever seen tuning forks? You know those things. It takes two tuning forks of the same frequency, and you strike one and hold it in close proximity to the other. The other one begins to resonate in sympathy with the first one. It's just a, it's just a, a law of, it's another one of God's, God's laws of physics or nature. But if you attach a weight to one of them and you slide it down the tuning fork and you hit the other one, that one that has the weight attached will not resonate because there's a weight on it. And the weight alters the frequency and the pitch of the tuning fork. And I believe we were created to be as one with God. But the, because we have been weighed down with sin, and we have been revolting people, <laughs> Re revolt, not revolting, rebellious people, yeah. we are not resonating with heaven, not really resonating with God because of this weight. And Christ comes, he says, I'm going to take the weight of all of this from you. I'm going to take all of your stuff that's weighing you down and preventing you from walking into freedom. I'm going to take it away so that you can, you can amen. And so that's the good news this morning. Jesus gave his life for us so that we could be free from the weight of sin, so that we could begin to live in harmony with him. And two things to remind of this morning. First of all, he has already walked in your shoes. So he knows. He knows everything that you're going through. Amen. He knows every burden you carry. He knows everything that's going on. He knows every hurt. He knows every pain. He knows every temptation you face. He knows every sorrow. He just knows. He had all of the temptations. He had, he had the conflicts, and he overcame all of them. He, thank, you see, if the Bible had said he, he, he fell to this and he fell, we, we would, Christianity would be powerless. But he overcame everything that was known to man, he overcame. He's already walked in your shoes. He might not be in your shoes today, but he's already walked in your shoes. Amen. And the Bible says that those that are likened to Jesus in his trials will be likened to him in his glory. So life is going to be tough, and it's going to bring some hard times. But we'll share one day in, your, in his glory. And he now wants to step into your shoes into your life, and he wants to wake up the divine purpose in your life. Now, you might be a hiking shoe, right? You might be a running shoe. Maybe you're just a welly boot. <laughs> Maybe you're a high heel shoe. Maybe you're some fancy shoe. 
You can be any of those shoes. But he'll help each and every one of us fulfill the purpose that we were created for because he never created anything without a purpose. Amen? So it doesn't matter. We are, we are all different and unique. God created us that way. Some more unique than others. <laughs> Amen? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Listen to this in the message translation. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Isn't that amazing? He had his eye on you. Amen. And so he's got something to happen. Something, he's got something for everyone's life. And all we need to do is respond to him and say, and, re, and um, receive our purpose from him. And I'll tell you why this is important, because this, I believe this is going to minister to some people here this morning. If you go and you read in Mark chapter 10, blind Bartimaeus, all right, blind Bartimaeus, um, quickly, when Jesus heard him shouting, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. He's calling you now. It's time. Come on over. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat and jumped up and came to Jesus. Jesus says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? He says, Rabbi, I want to be able to see. Hey, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go no big, isn't it so pure and simple? Go because your faith has made you well. Instantly the man could see and he began to follow Jesus down the road. When Bartimaeus was led to Jesus and his eyes were opened, really what Jesus was saying was, eyes fulfill the purpose for which you were created. You have eyes and they have a purpose. So fulfill the purpose for which they were created. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 8, the crippled beggar. They're going to the 3 o'clock in the afternoon prayer service. They get to the temple. There's a man at the gate, beautiful. He's, 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 um, he's um, paralyzed or crippled. And every day someone would take him and put him there by the temple gate. He'd ask for alms. Peter and John look at him and Peter says, look at us. So the lame man looks at them eagerly thinking, I'm getting some money here. But Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Peter takes him, helps him up. And as he did that act of faith, as he did that, the Bible says that his feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet. A man that was taken there every day jumped up and stood on his feet, began walking and leaping <laughs> and praising God. Maybe he had Nike Air soles on. Wow. And the people seen this and they began praising God. And, and you know that the rest of the story, 
Peter commands the lame man to walk. He speaks to the body. He speaks to this man's physical body. Legs, fulfill your purpose. Fulfill your purpose. Rise up and walk. That's what, you were, that's what it was, they were designed for. And when Jesus heals, when he delivers from any sort of bondage, he's creating a fresh way for you to fulfill your purpose. Something is disabling you. Mental, physical, emotional, psychological disability. And God is saying, I'm creating a new way for you to walk so that you can walk in your purpose because this has been broken in your life and now you can walk your purpose. And even in our brokenness, our purposes can be fulfilled. Amen? God had a purpose for the madman of gatherings. He became an evangelist. Mental. Mental becomes an evangelist. Peter's mother-in-law, your purpose is to serve. Praise, she goes and serves. So what hinders us from fulfilling God's purpose for our lives? Whatever it is, it can be removed by the power of the Holy Spirit, by Jesus Christ, can be removed. You see, I, 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 actually a couple few years ago, I preached a little series called Miserably, Miserably Saved. You can be saved and be miserable. <laughs> you can be a Christian and be the most oh, I don't want to be around that person. <laughs> you can be saved and you can be miserable. You can be saved but living in defeat. You can be insecure and filled with anxiety. You could be lost and hopeless. You can be constantly in conflict with people and fighting them and striving with them and falling out with them and all of that kind of stuff. You can be a downright unpleasant person. You might have no direction or vision in your, in your life. And it looks like none of that is going to change. If any of these things speak to you this morning, you need deliverance. <laughs> because perhaps you've found an alternative identity. And this alternative identity seems to give you some sense of value and some sense of worth. Uh-huh. Some sort of purpose, but it's really just a cover-up for a deep hurts rejections, problems you've suffered in your life, and you just don't know how you're going to change them. You don't have the power to change them. And you hide in an identity that is not the real you. So he is the deliverer. Amen. And we need to have him in our lives. He's the strongest ally. We need the strongest ally we can get in our lives. Because to defeat an enemy who is powerful, don't enlist the, the services of a weak ally. Otherwise, both of you are going to get beat. We need to enlist a stronger ally. And if you're teamed up with someone weaker, you can both end up being defeated. In Luke chapter 11, it says, When a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe until someone stronger attacks and overpowers them. Jesus said his words, anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Amen. I don't know about you this morning, but I want to have God on my side. I want God to be on your side. Amen. But I need to get onto his side first. I need to follow him first. And Jesus says, if any man would follow me, let him deny himself 
and take up his cross and come and follow me. And that's the message this morning, that Jesus is ready to step into your life. He's ready to step in. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says, Before he made the world, he loved you. I'm paraphrasing. He loved you and he chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what, it, what, what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Amen. Verse 11, further down, it says, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we've received an inheritance from God. He chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Amen. I know that some of the things that have been in this message this morning might have connected with you in different ways. All I, all I want to say this morning is that a lot of things try to fill our lives. But unless we let Jesus Christ, the King of glory, fill our lives, step into our shoes, that's what makes us a vehicle for him, useful. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter. Thank you.